Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Grog Pod Roguelike Podcast. It's a roguelike podcast that where we talk about roguelike games. I am your demonic train conductor host, Scott Berger. And as always, I'm joined with uh, some some other uh, demonic passengers here on this uh, on this uh, crazy train that's running off the rails. I uh, is the anchor going first or no? I don't remember how the anchor works. I don't know. What, I'm I'm barging in here. This is Will. I am a burning candle abomination, uh, ready to uh, defeat some angels here. Uh, and this is Colin. I am a enraged imp with my many imp followers ready to be sacrificed for the greater good of hell <laughs> and i'm your reformed waxman stan joe holmes well i am uh, very excited that colin has uh, has brought on finally someone who knows what they're talking about when it comes <laughs> to video games uh and and game design and game development uh yes welcome joe as our special guest uh for this episode uh yeah tell us a little bit about yourself Sure. Thanks very much. I'm super stoked to be here. A longtime listener, um, longtime will disagreer, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, a big fan of the podcast. I started out in um, tabletop gaming at uh, Paizo, working on the Pathfinder game. From there, I went to Xbox uh, in communications for the Age of Empires franchise. I was there for about seven years. And then um, most recently, I've gotten the opportunity to work on uh, back into um, board games and board games turned video games on in the Gloomhaven franchise uh, and Frosthaven. Yes. Yeah, so nice. unlike us, actual real video game experience, not just uh, just deep weird enthusiasm for them so don't let me oversell it i'm not a i'm not coding anything i'm <laughs> i was i was running all of our our outbound communications you know that's that's as you know this this podcast is concerned a podcast that's really just kind of focused on communications in general i think we kind of understand the importance of uh of of talking and getting info out in the world there but uh but yeah welcome uh this episode that you're listening to today we're talking about Monster Train, released May 21st, 2020. Almost, uh, I guess, a two-day belated uh, birthday for our dear oh, Monster yeah. Train. Uh, Monster Train, you can find it on uh, Steam, GOG, Xbox, Switch, iOS. Uh, and this was uh, developed by Shiny Shoe Games, who in the past have, uh, have kind of an interesting uh, sort of filmography so far, where... Uh, in the past, 2015, they they worked on Grim Fandango Remastered. They worked on Day of the Tentacle Remastered afterwards. You can kind of see a theme here going. And then uh, another Double Fine uh, classic game uh, after that was Full Throttle Remastered. But I think they kind of got their fill of remastering games <laughs> and decided to release their own fully standalone game of Monster Train in 2020. Uh, published by i thought this was kind of kind of funny uh good shepherd entertainment that's not that funny but what is funny is that they are well known for uh this train slash transport fever franchise i don't know if <laughs> oh yeah Colin's nodding oh, i'm the only yeah, one yeah. only one who is super into train video games i see <laughs> factorio is kind of a train video yeah, game factorio. too right? uh i mean if you get to open open trains uh you know get the railroad tycoon 3 mm. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, I thought that was a little apropos for Good Shepherd Entertainment being being a very train focused uh, uh, publisher, especially here. Uh, they've also published uh, a game that I've had my eye on for a long time, but I haven't actually gotten a chance to play yet. Semblance. And I've heard of this, but I don't know that uh, I don't know that many people have played uh, Phantom Doctrine. Does that sound familiar to, to anybody? I'm getting a lot of shaking. No, I don't here. know that. Uh, Monster Train chugs into the railway station on our uh, uh, populator rankings at the 48th most popular roguelike in the genre with 17,968 total reviews. Joe, as our guest of honor for this episode, you've been tasked with the one-sentence description of what one does in Monster Train. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So imagine Slay the Spire... That's it. <laughs> but on a train. Yes. All right. okay. uh, let me, yes. let me, let me try. Let me try that again. Uh, so imagine Slay the Spire if you boiled it down to only the most fun parts, cut the runtime in half, uh, expanded the combat depth and the hero class systems, uh, added a major spit shine <laughs> to the production value, and basically told the player, uh, welcome to hell. Please break the game. Mm-hmm. I can see. There. I can see yeah, the that's... vein bulging on Will's head right now. <laughs> I can uh, tell you, you're going to be a big fanboy for this already. And we're, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good game. I mean, you started with the yeah. It, based on Slay the Spire, it's hard to go wrong. But uh, uh, well, I'm curious to hear hear what uh, you might say is maybe not the best qualities about it. That was all I, positive right there. I have I have a couple, but um, yeah, we can honestly, say I mean, not many. Yeah, yeah, mechanically, what we're talking about, it's very similar to Slay the Spire. I've uh, told Colin, you know, I listen to you guys all the time, and sometimes I, I will roll my eyes and say, like, well, not every roguelike deck builder is Slay the Spire, guys. Well, <laughs> this one is. <laughs> only. Uh, it's very similar. You start with a class, uh, or in this case, two classes that... You have the loadout of your deck of cards. You fight a battle. You get another deck uh, card or two to add to your deck, and then a few chances to upgrade your deck between battles. And then uh, you win. You unlock the next difficulty level, exactly the same as Slay the Spire, and you can progress all the way up to uh, difficult level twenty-five and uh, and just punish yourself if you're if you're that kind of <laughs> gamer. <laughs> well, um, our story begins here uh, with I think. Maybe uh, I had to like double check the credits to this game to make sure that Will didn't ghost write the idea of this game <laughs> with uh, the seven rings of hell have been conquered by angels mm-hmm. led by a, I might get this wrong, but I was deep diving the, the wiki lore a little deep here led by a former demon turned angel named Seraph. And you have been tasked with leading the last shard of this fragment of the hellfire called the pyre in your train full of monsters, your triple-decker train, uh, back to the now frozen core of hell to reignite it. Uh, when I, you're, you're greeted with this very kind of uh, uh, in-your-face cinematic, uh, every, I guess every time you start the game. Um, I mean, you can skip it, but I, I was like, wow, this seems like a game that's just going to be right up Will's Alley 100%. And then as soon as I got like past the... Uh, the intro cinematic and kind of got to the main cutscenes. I'm like, Ooh, this game's got an art style, doesn't it? It, it sure does. does. Yeah. 
I I want to I want to follow up on that narrative real quick because mm. and I find in especially in roguelikes, but especially in roguelike deck builders, um, it can be obtru uh, obtrusive to have a really intensive narrative. You guys talked about mm. that in your Griftlands episode. Um, I find this really light but present. Um, you can uh, the the one minute cinematic at the start really sets the tone. Even just those like hell our home. I'm like okay, <laughs> cool. I know I know where I'm at. Um, mm -hmm. And you can dive as deep as you want, including uh, in the settings. You can actually go in and turn on a flavor text tooltip for every item in the game if if you care to. I never really? have. <laughs> never. I I did it once. It's it's a lot on the screen. I huh. I sort of turned it off. I found that the writing is you know pretty good. The actual um the actual uh word crafting of it uh, mm -hmm. but I, it's something that i think slay the spire honestly could have used because i i'm not sure whether a narrative exists there or if it's sort of begins and ends with here's a spire you better go slay that baby and, <laughs> well there's uh, like a whale in it a yeah zombie whale yeah and oh there's a bird cage it's very important <laughs> there's a bird cage no, it's shrouded in <laughs> mystery that's the whole thing it's like you know, it's kind of this otherworldly feel and that's why you got this whale with the crazy eyes you got a yeah, heart you're trying to, it, 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 like it's, a story the narrative <laughs> it's it's otherworldliness you know yeah. it's about being a part of something well i mean really kill kill the heart i mean really that's <laughs> yeah slay the spire that's <laughs> why is it really a heart this, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But no, uh, I agree. Oh, oh, oh. The, the cast here, we're in hell, right? Mm -hmm. The cast of hell is obviously, I mean, it's classic. No changes, basically, to uh, biblical lore. Uh, you've got the demons, of course. You have the angry potted plants. Um, <laughs> you have the, the shadows made of candy. It's Everyone all in the Bible, about folks. Those. You can't have hell uh, without the magical squids. And then, of course, um, my favorite, the Victorian era, people made out of candles. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know what you're thinking. If this is hell, then where are the crystal dinosaurs? And let me tell you, listener, it's okay. They're in the DLC. <laughs> so that's how they get uh, I did play. I did play the DLC. I did not get to crystal dinosaurs. So that's a little bit. Uh, I guess I'll have to keep playing a little bit more to get that uh, that dinosaur unlock. Oh, really? Um, is that is that a that's unlocked? I thought that would just pop in with the DLC, but no matter, they're they're a little bit uh, funky. So if you're just starting out, I, I wouldn't recommend them anyway. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to play more like I wanted to get the uh, like grind through the first people and get good enough at them to like beat the game. And so trying like if I was just, you know, rolling through each various faction one time, it probably wouldn't like that's not insanely difficult, but it's not easy to beat the game until you like know what you're doing. Yeah, that's true. I I want to return to that DLC too, um, a little bit down the road because I think mm -hmm. it's uh, did did the two of you, Scott and Will, did you guys play with the DLC? Um, I didn't because I want I wanted to jump in blind just because I was like, okay, I've heard I've heard a lot of good things about Monster Train. I've heard it rate very well compared to other roguelike deck builders. Let's just jump in and see what happens. And I think I, I it was one of those cases where I just kind of fell ass backwards into victory like twice <laughs> in a row somehow. Uh -huh. I'm like, this game is so easy. No wonder people love it so much. And I think those were the only two runs I've ever won since. So I, <laughs> I've got a, a particularly uh, strong amount of, of bad luck going at the moment. But I have been trying to explore all the game mechanics and not really like so much like, okay, my goal here is is to win like i just want to like explore all the different stuff first so i haven't jumped into the dlc i was gonna 
keep that as like a a motivator like depending on also where the game ranked uh <laughs> to to see like yeah okay but this this seems like something i really want to invest in but i don't know if uh because well you've played a lot of this before we we wound up doing a podcast episode on it yeah i played it when it was released and so the dlc wasn't out then and so i think i had like most of like the 78 hours i have into this game back then and so i think in the past couple weeks like i did 10 to 15 hours just to refresh but not on the the dlc but like these numbers like as as compared to this latest fire are are quite small i mean it's still more than most games but uh yeah it just the the end game as well as i'm sure we'll get into does not it didn't really capture me quite as well yeah, that's absolutely fair. Well, okay, since we're on the on the topic, let me just give you the elevator pitch for the for the DLC. It's called The Last Divinity. Uh, it actually comes standard with the Switch version of the game, but us plebs uh, on other <laughs> platforms had to pay for it. It adds a new faction, uh, like I mentioned, but um, the real value, I think, is in this uh, the new mechanic during the run, which it, it doesn't add length. It's not like, um, you know, I'm going to work through the base game and then move on to the expansion. It, it mm. adds a layer on top of your standard run, which is an additional optional um, uh, reward after each fight with absolutely broken effects. <laughs> I mean, you want plus 30 damage to a spell, you got it. You want to reduce a cost by negative two, uh, it's yours. You can, um, the, the gem, you know, the crown jewel of this is you can take two units and infuse them together. What? So yeah. you take the guy who dies, every time he dies, he gets uh, 50, he deals 50 damage. You put him in the guy, uh, that ability, in the guy who every time he dies, he splits into two. Uh-oh. And suddenly you're sweeping floors for four. It, I mean, it's completely <laughs> broken. And it's free. It's free. The game says no cost. No, no worries. Just, uh, wow. you know, take these little uh, take these little shards with you. No big deal, right? Uh, and then they, it gives you this unbelievable power. But then as you gain shards, you realize your enemies are getting stronger and stronger mm -hmm. and stronger until... If you get uh, 100 shards by the time you beat the last boss, God himself descends from on high to smite your ass. Now, is this the <laughs> is this like the four-story tall super crystal angel monster yeah. that I see in various screenshots? That's yeah. the one. Okay. And you just got to get all your guys on the bottom floor and, and, and attack his feet until he dies. That's how <laughs> I beat him. <laughs> Uh, it, it's brutal it's a brutal brutal fight hardest guys or hardest bosses in the game but uh, I, the reason that i just is... so i've only i've only done that fight one time uh absolutely crushed it uh oh, yeah? almost died on the one before because mm -hmm. of the way my deck was built but like uh perfectly set up for just like ultra magic damage so good had exquisitely used all of those uh plus 30 uh magic power things was routinely rocking out like 200 man magic damage for like four cards of that per turn and it so, feels so good right i find that it did feel very good so i uh, the reason the reason i wanted to talk about this um even though it's not part of the base game is that i think it shows the the main fundamental difference between um monster train and slay the spire and mm -hmm. um whereas 
we mentioned the heart in Slay the Spire. That's the secret final boss, right? You have to do specific things during your run in order to unlock that boss. But the things you have to do in Slay the Spire are things like give up a reward, um, give up an upgrade, those kinds of things where you're, you are reducing, you're foregoing rewards to make yourself weaker, make it less likely you're going to survive in the end game. And that's how it, uh, that's how it ratchets up the tension to get you to that uh, final gameplay reward, which is beating that final boss, uh, as opposed to um, Monster Train, which just shoots your power level into overdrive. And the way it ratchets up the tension is by punishing you with unfair bosses and, uh, and overwhelming uh, resistance until you finally get to this super epic fight at the end of the game. And uh, so... I, in sum, I think the, the philosophy difference is that Slay the Spire is about uh, grinding you down. Can you survive the challenges we lay before you? Whereas Monster Train is about building you up and saying, like, you're going to lose if you don't uh, if you don't make yourself stronger fast enough. So we're just going to throw more toys at you until um, and, and you can decide how greedy you want to be about it. Get him, Will. Get him. Bring it on. That's not, that's not like a fair like comparison. I don't think that I would call that like the main like that might be the like one of the overarching like differences uh, in how you're supposed to play the game. But I think fundamentally, like mechanically, like to me, the the biggest like changes between these two games are like three stack layer like of the train itself like mm -hmm. being like, oh, well, something comes in here and then it pops up there next turn and then pops up there. And this whole dynamic made the game play like for an actual battle, like much more in depth, much more interesting. Um, the actual pyre has the health, or, like the little shard, I guess I should say, as opposed to having your character have the health. And so if your hero dies, if your minions die, that's like totally fine. Um, and you can use that like strategically throughout. So that like adds a lot more flavor um, and a lot more interest to the actual combat. And they do it in a nice, there's some things that like Slay the Spire does actually not do like, I want to know, like, I, I'm sitting there and Slay the Spire having to do mental math about, mm, like, how uh -huh. much life I'm going to have left. And I'm just having, like, a, I'm going to hit him with this and then that. And I'm, like, trying to calculate it all out. And that just, like, takes so much mental effort. This game's just like, here you go. If you do nothing right now, you end your turn. Here are all the little things that, like, here's here's how it's going to end for you. Here's going to die. Who's, who's going to die? Who's going to survive? And it's just like, oh, that was such a nice, like, quality of life, like, difference between the games. And um, so I, I really do appreciate that. The two two classes, I think that's the other primary thing. Yeah, like, it does it, and that's the thing that I have the biggest gripe with. Because it's oh, really, like, oh yeah, no, it's the that's like that was that's the one thing I would like I would get rid of that completely. And really? by classes, by classes, you mean like the different um, clans of clans, hero yes. characters. Uh, that, that yeah, you get the main factions, faction, yeah. and then you're like it's the same five factions, but one of them is your like helper faction. You get like I'm not really sure what the it's like what half of the card things yeah. are from them is it yeah. that many your is primary it, it, yeah. your primary is where you get your your champion unit from who is typically very good out of the box but like surprisingly you like you can easily upgrade some other units that you have to be like way better than your standard champion um or you can upgrade to, like your main sort of champion got to be even like super champion more to the point where they're like super broken which just adds to the like the way joe is describing it i was like you know, Monster Train is just like a big bowl of candy. And yeah. <laughs> you, you just keep eating more and more candy as you're building out your deck until you got to fight one of these bosses. And then you're like, oh, no, 
I've eaten too much candy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like so so there there are five clans. You got your standard uh demon demon men, the hellhorned who they're kind of like basic uh mechanic is is rage and I guess maybe armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, awoken. Are... Well, I guess some a lot of them multi strike. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, awoken are the the sentient plant people who rely a lot on like thorn damage and the... healing. And yeah, and healing, uh, you got your deep sea, again, this is all in the Bible, folks, read it up. Uh, <laughs> you got your deep sea uh, sea creatures who, I guess, like, they do uh, frozen damage, which is effectively just poison, as far as I can right. tell. Right, yeah. I, I like how they're just like, and that's common in all these games, like, oh, it's bleed, it's poison, it's it's the same mechanic yeah. every time. I mean, there's only burn, so much you can burn, you can burn, really yeah. innovate, but, uh, but yeah, so you got them, you got, uh, I'm I'm like, I've gotten that far in terms of unlocks. I haven't okay. gotten to to the Umbra yet, who look interesting. Where I guess like you sacrifice units as like little morsels, which seems yeah. interesting. They de- they devour each other. Uh, yeah. And I've played a little bit of the Melting Remnant, even though I haven't unlocked them yet, by doing some of the daily challenges. So there are ways that like you're just like, Ugh, it seems like you know I'm never going to be able to grind my way out all these different factions. Like you can you can like skip all that nonsense and just jump into a daily challenge or a community challenge uh and I, just be like you know what i want to play with these factions and like not understand at all what i'm doing but let's try it i will say that is actually one of my slight criticisms is that it does take a while for you to unlock the factions i i mean so like how, well, how long like, how long should it take for you to unlock the factions it, it for like, me i'm it at 10 like... hours a little over 10 hours in and i mm-hmm. still have two factions to unlock like, but you have to eat yeah, once you, you want hmm? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> well, Get good. What was that? Uh, well, no, but like the for the umber ones, it's like that's literally just summon more things. So uh, a lot of the runs I've done, it's like, well, I summon four units in one floor, and then I just take that through the whole whole thing. So I'm, you know, it. I I played well, and so therefore I didn't summon all these units and therefore i didn't get the next faction and even once you get that faction then it's like then you're grinding it up yeah. i mean the grind is fun but you're still like working your way up it's like i want to play the other ones uh and i did i did look up like when you unlock i'm pretty sure i actually have unlocked the dinosaurs i was like last <laughs> night um it just didn't maybe tell me that it did it uh, I, but i totally agree with you colin uh, i i one of the things I did prepping for this episode was I actually started a new account because I've been, you know, I've been playing this for a long time. I wanted to follow the progression alongside you guys. Uh, and it, uh, one thing I like about the unlocks is that it doesn't require victory. Um, yeah. It doesn't require you to win to unlock these new toys, right? But uh, it does slow down. I, you unlock the um, the Stygian Guard, the magic squids uh very quickly uh by playing a certain number of spells but i went on a you know i played my first 10 games before losing all the way through and still hadn't really hadn't unlocked the um the umbra until the until the very end and i uh and i also didn't unlock my favorite class my favorite um faction the melting remnant until until uh, like another five games in, which I, hmm. I do think you you hit a plateau and it's it that is actually a little slow for me. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I'm probably gonna play more of this game after 
this recording i mean not like immediately after but like i'll 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 get those eventually but it felt like if i liked this game a little bit less it's very likely that i just would never see those factions because i would have stopped playing it yeah yeah i had a plateau too i was i was actually like you know six games in i was like well i've won the same (laughs) way like three times in a row now like i'd like something a little fresher it was you know rng showed me the same winning um mechanics you know that way but i would have liked i would have liked to get the umbra like maybe two or three games earlier yeah or like maybe if you win you get like double the points for unlocking or something like that Mm. so like it rewards success more than like you don't have to win to unlock it but it does reward that yeah Um, yeah and it puts some tension on like oh man i should really try to like focus on winning this this run because if i do then i'm like oh i'm so close but if i don't then oh you know i still unlock the whole bunch of stuff along the way well now that we've like introduced like these five my my that we can come back to that main criticism right there's these five different races or uh clans and the pairing like you choose the major and the minor and like you're so your deck is split you have your characters are split your options as you go throughout the game are pretty much split and what I found, and I think this is the reason that like it, I, the long term sort of end game like sort of fizzled out for me, was that the meta strategy across all the pairings seemed to be the same. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just bad at this. But it's just like, yeah, like all the synergies within a deck are pretty much within that deck. And like the synergy between two different classes, there might be one card over here in this class or two cards out of all the entire deck that like synergize. And so if you get those, yeah, sure, that there might be something there. But like in general, the best strategy is just to remove cards from that other deck and not add any new cards from the the minor class. And I've always found that like that was pretty much the winning recipe. Like occasionally, like I said, you'll find that <clears throat> those one or two cards which are like, oh, yeah, this one actually does synergize. But in general... No, you just get rid of them and you just focus on the the main deck. Um, but Joe, I mean, I'm curious to hear if that's I think, is that. I think you're you're partially right in that deck milling is a huge component of any roguelike deck builder game. But like, I th- I think I agree in in that sense. In that there's like there's certain uh, faction combinations that that kind of works more towards. And the disagreement part is like the run that I was just doing. Where I was like, okay, like just set random random for both of them. And what was I doing? It was like a, a I think it was doing like a Stygian guard, guard and Hellhorn combo of some sort. Uh, and like up until like this last run that I was doing, I was like, I hate imps. They don't do anything. They just take up space. Anytime I get an imp in my uh, deck, just get them out of there. Just mill them out. Uh, but Until... this time, like, all right, you know what? Because that the the Umbra unlock is based on uh, summoning amounts, I'm just going to try to summon as many people. So it's imp time, baby, imp 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 <laughs> all the time. And I was like, wow, like this is like a synergy that I didn't really think to try to explore before. Where like th- there's like all sorts of like clever stuff that I didn't think about from the previous roguelike games that or deck builder games that we've been playing for this podcast where like i would you know sacrifice one of those imps to do a thing i would like intentionally try to get a varied amount of them when like like proper placement on the board so to speak uh but the thing that really kind of like made me smirk was like intentionally sacrificing my own imps to do stuff and not even just for like the triggered effect of like yeah this when this imp dies it'll cause 50 damage or something but like 
you summon one, it puts like 20 armor on the front guy, and like that's all that they do. And now they're taking up a slot on your your side of the floor. And I'm like, well, I really want to play this other unit. And I have this card that can do damage to any unit. <laughs> what if I just killed one of my own imps and then I play that better unit? And I was able to do it. I'm like, oh my God, like that that seems like oh. like counterintuitive thing that worked really well for that deck. But like Wow, I never even I mean, I, I haven't explored the imp strat very much, but <laughs> I don't like I I guess I realized that you could attack your own units, but I have never done it. Mm-hmm. Can I ask, did either of you ever put endless on an imp? I did, yes. I put I put endless on an armor imp. And uh-huh. uh oh. so any so endless anytime they die, they come right back onto the top of your draw pile. So it was like put armor imp in, they put armor up on the front. I had uh, the battering ram card that allows you to use the armor as like a body slam attack from Slay the Spire. Uh-huh. So like, oh, like you double the armor and use that as attack. Armor imp, sacrifice, armor imp, sacrifice, Ar- armor imp, sacrifice. You see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Battering ram, bam, like one hit killing everybody. I'm just like, oh, this is great. Uh, yeah. I wound up losing that run on like by like 10 hit points or something. But I was like, okay, like that, that like opened up the door to me of like, there's, there's some wackiness in here that yeah. you don't normally expect from uh, like other 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 deck builders that we play. It's definitely uh, more exponential mm-hmm. in terms of like how much damage and and stat growth you have. Uh, I mean, by the end, like the final god boss, if you're doing the DLC, has like is that like three thousand hit points or something. <laughs> and so, like, it's uh, people aren't going to know what that means. By the way, unfair. But, like, yeah, no, much. but it's like it's like ten to 50 times more than the beginning amount of hit points. <laughs> yeah. So like the amount of growth that you have is so, so much more than something like Slay the Spire or Grifflands where you are, I mean, yeah, the, the bosses and stuff get harder, but like the amount of damage you're outputting by the end of the game would, you, you know, you're, you're like third tier guy would one shot the first boss. Yeah. Well, I I would uh, I would say that's an that's a an effect of the design philosophy I mentioned earlier, which is like get in here, break the game. Like the most fun parts of Slay the Spire, one of those is when your deck absolutely pops off, right? So they want that to happen as much as as much as possible in this game, uh, and part of it is also being focused down to eight fights. You only get eight fights in the game. So the more um, they, they try and find those, uh, those um, opportunities to let you uh, really make that incredibly crazy combo by the end um, as much as you can. And, and it does a good job too of, of dashing you on the rocks if you don't, um, letting you be like lose when you uh, when you've lost and kicking you back to the start instead of you know kind of grinding you down over time. Uh, I would say um, uh, that to your point, Scott, and even to yours, will about um, about finding discovering those combo mechanics that uh, allow you to do basically infinites um, and and even like focusing down into that into those one into that one um, synergy within a clan. Uh, I think the game does a great job of um, showing you early 
uh, early combos that can win the synergies within a clan and things like that. But um, but I I totally disagree that there are um, that there's not value in the other in the having a secondary clan. So you kind of have this mashup, right, that we talked about. But each of those five factions has two heroes. Each of those two heroes has three unique ability tracks, which totally changes the viable strategies. Any of the other four factions are your secondary faction, and then each of those has its own starting card, uh, two different starting cards. So you have just a ton of different um, possible loadouts. Um, and the, I think one of the main values is actually those cross um, those cross synergies. So for example, one of the champions in the Awoken, the, the healing class, has an ability that uh, is an incant ability. Well, the incant, the Awoken don't use incant. They don't have any other incant cards in the entire clan. But the magical squids do. Every time you <laughs> cast a spell, that triggers the incant ability. And so you have those, um, you have those uh, sort of inherent designed in uh, synergies between the clan, even just using your starting champion. Uh, and I, I think the, those. Um, it, I mean, imagine just imagining the possibilities if you were playing, say, the Spire and you got to uh, mix up the the Ironclad and the Defect and see what like kind of crazy things those two decks could do together. Terrible. We'll hate this it's so terrible. much. Yeah, I know. I know you hate it, but it'd be so much fun. <laughs> no, just no. Throw it, it. Throw that against the wall. I feel like so. So <laughs> you can't have poison and uh and and just like the raw attack. Like you just. No, no, no. Those those probably wouldn't work together. But you could you could imagine uh, so, things like poison, the channeling, channeling poison orbs as a defect or whatever. I have a question for for yeah, both of you up. as the as the people who have played this game uh, well into the end game. Is like how many cards did you normally have in your deck by the end of the game? Because that was something that I I felt like this game more than most of the other ones very very strongly pushed me towards a slim deck mm -hmm. um because if you don't get your combo out like your good mix of people out fast in the combat you will just immediately die and so having a the 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 narrowest shot uh most focused deck definitely seemed like the way to reduce that variability so I'm curious uh, how many cards you would end up with generally. Um, my winning decks tend to be under 30 for sure. Um, I I also play typically at the highest difficulty, which adds some, you know, just like Slay the Spire, adds some sure. curses into into the deck. So it inflates you from, I think, 20 to 24 or something like that uh, just when, to start right, out. When you start, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, ideally, like, yeah, I, I, I feel real good if I'm coming into the end game with, uh, with like 23, 24 cards. Yeah. So, I mean, I right. want the, the one that I, I mean, won my, my first Covenant victory with, I had like 19 <laughs> cards. And I was just like, I am so... And I was on the thing that gave you a three extra draw. So I could basically guarantee that i'd see almost all of the cards that i needed by the second turn so well, the game also pulls some tricks in the background too um one of which being i think it does a great job tutorializing the things you need to know about one of the things that it doesn't tell you is that you cannot fail to draw your um your super special uh, fun um units uh to start you will always have one in your opening hand you'll always have an 
at least one in your opening hand, uh, at least one more if you haven't drawn them all in your second hand, um, and so on until uh -huh. you've drawn through all of those special units. So you will not fail to get your units out. You might not see your super magical, super powered spells. You might bottom oh, deck those and run out of I... time, which has happened to me a lot, especially when my <laughs> deck is too big. Yeah. It's, I lose when I get greedy. When I take cards I know I shouldn't take, when I take challenges I know I shouldn't take, uh, the game kind of like there's a little devil on your shoulder being like, hey, you want you want to just make this a uh, little bit harder? You can just flip that switch to make the double your uh, double your rewards for this this yeah. uh, battle or whatever. But I feel like so the the push to have a slim deck is kind of a push against the synergy in some ways it means you have to have a really focused synergy rather than like i'll grab all of this stuff and i like i'm assuming i know that's from i know that's how will plays games is he's super focused on you know oh i just want to win that doesn't really matter narrow, what it takes. <laughs> well but no fun only win but yeah i've watched <laughs> you play enough of these games to know that the 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 methodology that you often will the your your initial heuristic is small deck good deck uh, well, this game especially pushes you towards that, I think, with the way that the yeah. upgrade structure works. I mean, like, a, one card can have, like, two and, in some cases, three upgrades on it. And so, because it has the ability to duplicate cards, which is something that is not what yeah. you see, like, that makes it so you just want to create a really good card or, like, just put all your bonuses into it, you know, try to make sure they're good and relevant. And then you want to duplicate that card as not as much as possible. In some cases, you can get, like, a five duplications in some events. But, like, yeah. I, I, I really do like this. Like, okay, now that's actually a strategy now is, like, how do you assign um, these uh, these uh, these upgrades to your cards and and then remove all the, the, the stuff that isn't upgraded because those are, you know, relative value of a fully upgraded card versus a total basic one is just enormous and so that's why for me it's like oh yeah get rid of all, all all the train stewards obviously but all the other like don't pick up other cards that aren't like a perfect synergy um because those are just gonna like not pay off yeah i i think this speaks really a lot to the um the accelerated pace of um breaking the game building your deck over the course of eight fights um and much many fewer events um which is that uh, there, whereas a longer game like Slay the Spire uh, will need really needs to stretch those out, all of the upgrades, all of the removals. Um, Monster Train is extremely generous with the ability not just to um, remove cards for free, depending on your choices, but also uh, to upgrade your cards in any way you want. Whereas, you know, Monster Train, whereas Slay the Spire has this very strict, very, um, you know, there's one way that a particular card gets upgraded, it, very like razor sharp balance. Monster Train says, well, hey, why don't you take this super OP card and make it completely free? You want to do that? And you're like, <laughs> wait, wouldn't that be broken? And the game's like, yeah. <laughs> and you just get to go play with that toy. Oh, and then by the way, do you want to go duplicate it and have another one of those super broken cards? And let's do that five more times if you want to it's and just you get to the final silly. boss fight and the final boss fight is like oh by the way the final boss fight is also broken so right yeah, yeah. it's like oh hey every time you hit me uh i'm gonna do one more damage on the thing uh -huh. you're like oh but but my but my <laughs> deck is optimized to hit you like 50 times per turn you're like yeah he's gonna one shot all your dudes <laughs> but that's a thing he's that, also like... got he's got 2000 hit points so uh you better those 50 
hits that better do all that damage because yeah. uh, you're not going to be able to beat him in one turn. So or this guy has stealth 10. He gets to take 10 turns before <laughs> you get to take 10 turns before you get to take a turn. I hope you brought like five tanks. Like, yeah. A, I'm sorry. Did you think we were friends? Cause I gave you toys. Like, sit down, <laughs> go home. So one I really thing like that, that I find very interesting about monster train is it, is it plays it's, it's cards open right in front of you at the start of the game. It's like, Hey, here's everything that's going to happen. And like, you have the choice to pick like, which, which options you want along along the way. Like, you know, exactly which bosses you're going to fight and you know exactly who the end boss is. Unlike in Slay the Spire where act one, okay. Act one, you know who the fight, the boss is for that one. If, if you know about like scrolling up to the top and like, you know, the, uh, um, understanding the, the symbology of difficulty, of... figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like in Slay the Spire, you get to act two. If you built your deck in a certain way, you can just be completely like hosed. If like the act two boss, like is a explicit hard counter to how you built your deck. And also likewise, like if you come across like an elite encounter in, in Slay the Spire, it's like, Oh, by the way, I can just like go th- past all that poison in your deck and now you're dead. But in, I feel like in this game, it tells you like, okay, the boss is going to be Daedalus the Awakened and you might have to do some remembrance of like, oh, well, what does Awakened mean? What is that going to, how is he going to affect me? But like, okay, like that is that is the boss that I'm going to fight at this point. And it tells you up front, like, hey, this is, this is the boss and the final boss. So you can kind of plan way ahead in advance, but it also tells you like, okay, like three level rings from now, you're going to have these two different options of which are like you don't just select one you select like four of them like and you can pick them in any order that you want again coming back to the sort of embarrassment riches of this game like you're almost given like too much stuff Uh and you're just like man like i can't hold all of this good stuff with this game um and that's where I feel like the the hard decision factors really come in of like, okay, well, do I want the gold first and then go to the merchant and then duplicate the card? Or do I want to upgrade first, then duplicate and go to the merchant and all this? Like, that that really jumps out to me of like, okay, this is how this game stands out. This is a very unique thing about it. And uh, Joe, you, you kind of touched on this topic with, I, I think the technical term is like priority units or banner units. Mm-hmm. Where in some like circumstances, I think the game needs to do better on explaining this, because there's some circumstances where like, oh, my reward is a banner unit, but it doesn't really explain what that is or how that works. And you know, Joe nailed it. Where like that banner unit has a hidden like priority tag. I literally don't know what a banner unit is. It's 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 the unit that you get from drafting either. Um, in between your fights or as a special reward for um sure but like i until you explained earlier today Mm -hmm. earlier in this podcast yeah oh they they get priority like i just thought that was like cool when you beat a bigger fight you get a a rare unit like Mm -hmm. that's a very common mechanic of like this card is more rare than the other ones Mm -hmm. it's got like a slightly different color on it or something normally that doesn't have like a mechanic associated with it beyond like this card is better you should probably pick it they do have rarities but yes uh uh, but yes they also have that secret thing which can which can throw you off like if you take too many of them then you might draw the one wrong one in the wrong order i'm sorry scott you you got interrupted there 
no yeah i mean like the the priority thing i think helps to guide your your sort of or at least for me my my strategy was okay rolling into this fight where am i going to put my champion because you always get your champion to start and at least one of these like weirdly defined banner units uh i'm like okay i've got like this guy here or i've got my champion up here i've got this banner unit over here that i knew i had like a one in three chance of drawing I have a couple other units here. Maybe I'll wait because I know I'm going to get another banner unit on the next draw. And I know it can put that guy over here. There's a lot of like really deep elements of like strategic placement of the units with that like we just we haven't seen before. Because like with like fights in tight spaces, Griftlands, gosh, like even stack lands for that matter, you like you're just you're playing types of cards and the, like the concept of like a hero unit card hasn't existed yet where like right. even slay the spire like you know stay tuned folks but like uh you're just like playing actions or things that you know are consumed for for that round but like and this took me a minute to wrap my head around but like when you play a monster card and that card dies they're done for the battle like you can't redraw them you get like you have to be very thoughtful about where you're putting your units such that like you can play your spells and your attack cards like more or less indefinitely because they get recycled through your deck but those units when your champion's dead bye bye like unless you have a way of reviving them uh yeah like that that is just like okay when when you want to describe monster train as how it stands out like the unit stuff for me is like this is this is it right here one of the yeah, one of the, the other puzzle. things one of the other things yeah is it, yeah it's a great puzzle great tactical puzzle and like will said it, it kind of gives you the the math ahead of time um so that you can you can really try and uh, zero in on exactly how you're going to play this in the in the optimal way um one of the things that i i like about it as well that i don't see mentioned as much is that um slay the spire combat is one dimensional by which i mean at any time um you can pretty much hit any of the enemies on the screen. Um, whereas in Monster Train, you there's a positioning element. Um, you mm. can't automatically hit the people in the back unless you have particular um, particular abilities or particular spells, and those folks often come with higher damage or or worse um, or neg- more negative effects for you. Uh, and so there's there's a puzzle of what direction or and in what order to place. Um, to place your units on one floor, but then also there are phases. So, um, or phases to the battle in the form of different floors. So you can play other units on other floors and most spells, um, in fact, I think all spells will affect only the floor on which you play them. So any effect that you have, you're, you want to, um, you want to stack up your floor as much as possible, or you want to, you can ascend uh, floor, you can ascend your units using special cards to float them up to a floor and really overstack the floor beyond its capacity, and that's which is a very strong Ooh, strategy. Think about that, huh? Yeah, yeah. You can get. Did anybody get up to the the limit? Is seven? Did anybody there was get a, up to seven? There was a super broken uh, thing that I found out that was like, uh, God, I don't know what what sort of thing triggered this. It was like a daily challenge that I was playing. That like whenever you played. Uh, like your first unit of the floor, it would duplicate it. <laughs> and I had these like big super chonk, uh, thorny, uh, awoken units that I think normally take up like three or four out of your like 
you know, standard five slots that you have for a floor. I was like, okay, well, like thorn it up and, you know, play, play this guy. I only had like, you know, one of them in the deck, but he would always like create two of them. And like, that would, that would like overflow it by one. I'm like, it's, it'll, it'll let me do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can't play one there, but if right. you happen to climb them or they duplicate or whatever, yes, absolutely. You can get a, there's no limit to the amount by which you can overflow your floor, but you can only have seven units on your floor, which is which is uh, something that transitions into probably the main uh, criticism I have with the game, which is uh, it is unreadable when things start to get crowded like that <laughs> unreadable yeah. it, it gets so busy and it doesn't really help that it's um additionally oversaturated a lot of the animations and um and like uh, to be clear i think the art style is is highly polished um very well executed and does exactly what it's trying to do in terms of making everything kind of look like a toy i i like the art style but it what? really loses it. Yeah, I do. You like uh, the art style? This is yeah, on my like the after the <laughs> lack of or you know synergies between the things or like you know the two class. Eh, but like this is like that's my number one complaint. It's, it's I it like feels toys, like it's designed man. for a ten year old. Yeah, I was watching a, a streamer earlier today, and he was describing Monster Train as like. It looks like uh one one of those uh, mobile game ads that you see everywhere. That's right. Like, <laughs> yes. You won't believe like ten people can't figure out how to do this. I'm like, wow, that is that is surprisingly spot on. I think a a more a more fair description of its graphical art style would be Hearthstoney. Yeah, 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 for okay. sure. I um, I can definitely see that. Yeah, I like I I don't I've played Hearthstone for I don't know five minutes and I was like, this isn't for me. Uh, but I can see that if someone out there, uh, namely Woody, I know you're listening, uh, who is, Hey Woody. Hi. We used to go to college together. Hello. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so if you, if you are a crippling, um, Hearthstone addict, I think you would find your, your home here for sure. If nothing else in like the art style, the, um, diplomatically Spartan, uh, snappiness of the UI. Everything, everything works. Everything mm -hmm. is it like it works exactly the way that you want it to. It might not look as, you know, I'm gonna eat my words because we're gonna we're gonna be like we have some games in the hopper. There are some real stinkers in terms of <laughs> graphical fidelity, but play really really well. And when I was coming up, there's with... definitely, but like there's more than one axis. There's graphics that are good but not your style mm -hmm. and there are graphics that are just like bad but still your style like there are some of the games that are like oh i really like pixel art this is a bad version of it but i like this i i want I like i like this style it's just not very well executed versus something like monster train where it's like well it's a very excellently executed style that i don't like that much yeah right yeah like, like, it's just not for me and the same with like i had the same exact thing with Grifflands, which is mm -hmm. like i don't like the way that clay has, like I don't like this the way they do lines on stuff. Um very well executed version of it though. Yeah. I, I like the polish. The um the music actually slaps. The music's it's, good. It's so good. Um I I wanna say, like, of course, I think more than any other episode of this podcast, uh Slay the Spires obviously uh required 
playing <laughs> if you haven't uh, done it already. If you've managed to get this far and not play Slate the Spire, you can play both of them for free on Game Pass right now. So no need to choose. <laughs> but um, I I love Slate the Spire. It's pioneered one of my favorite genres of video games. Um, it is foundational to the genre, opened up a whole new area of game design. Uh, it absolutely belongs on that pedestal. Um, and, and that pedestal belongs uh, behind a glass case in a museum <laughs> where we can go admire it and appreciate it and then move on to, you know, other games that have iterated on those ideas in the, in the past. Uh, <laughs> I started a, a, similarly to Monster Tra I started a new um a new account for Slay the Spire this week. Mm. Uh, and I think, um, honestly, it plays like a game that invented a genre and didn't realize at the time that it, you were allowed to do what Monster Train is doing. That's that's how it feels coming into a fresh account right now. Uh, and it it is, uh, if this was a board game, um, it would be Dominion, which started the whole deck building genre before uh, Slay the Spire uh, turned that into a video game. Uh, and Monster Train would be uh, Star Realms. Mm. Slicker, um, faster, does away with all Not sorts of things that Dominion thought it needed to do. And it turned out it was just getting in the way of the fun. Mm. I feel like that may be a good comparison because I like Dominion better than Star Realms as well like and i think if they launched side by side together today um uh they absolutely slay the spire would have its uh would find its community among uh, a harder core audience that liked a little bit more punishment maybe the souls like year uh kinds of gamers out there but i think monster train would probably find a, a wider market and um uh, and have a strong a much stronger following ultimately than than uh slay the spire but i do have an olive branch to offer <laughs> which is that um a, a term which is a term that i have not heard thrown around very much um i've seen it but not but not seen it take flight so i hope it will here which is a spire like hmm. it it's we deserve it deserves its own genre roguelike deck builder is not giving credit where credit is due just like we did with dark souls whenever game started copying those mechanics and we stopped saying things like it's a dark souls ripoff we eventually stopped you know it's like dark souls except we just started saying hey it's a souls like this is a spire like as is every other roguelike deck builder that revolves around hero classes, evolving decks, upgrading cards, uh, maybe metagame route selection, those kinds of things. Um, oh, so much to slay the spire that I, I think uh, there's no reason we shouldn't just start using that term. I can't object. I mean, anything that tries to turn SDS into more of a, a cult and and bring it more into the, <laughs> the, the center of our appreciation, I, I can't uh, I can't say that that's a bad thing. But and I will just say, like, with regards to what you're saying here, like, just as these direct comparisons between Monster Train and, and uh, Slay Aspire are coming up, that like, if we think about the like, we obviously we've talked about lots of layers of complexity that we've added with with Monster Train that are like, you know, in and of themselves, like new components, they're fun components, they're certainly like new game mechanics. But I think ultimately, what I'm going to come back to, like, because 
I know with Grifflands, I mean, Grifflands is obviously is not Monster Train, and I haven't the felt the need like with Monster Train to like close that game so and then open up Slay the Spire. So that's saying something. But with like Grifflands, I'm just like, I'm bored with this. Close that, immediately open up Slay the Spire. So I'm still one of those people that like, yeah, it's like I just it's one of those warm, fuzzy games for me still where I can just like play a run through and like it feels good. But what I'm, the point I wanted to make here is that the level of mental complexity when you're starting to do the planning. And I think this applies to all of these sort of tactical games like Into the Breach and all these games where you're having to say, okay, I'm at a, is it the game's frozen? I have to make a decision. There are this many decisions to make. And then I have to think this many moves ahead. Like that's what all these things are doing. And I think that there is, my argument would be that there's the same level of like complexity. It's just that those mechanics that like really bring out this um, complexity are a little bit more diverse with Monster Train. I'm not going to say that they're better, I think that they're um, interesting. It's a different flavor. It's like, you know, it's a chocolate versus an, uh, you know, vanilla sort of ice cream thing. And I think they do it very well. But I think ultimately, because the just looks it, from my opinion, it just looks so, like such a shit game. Like with the, I don't <laughs> like these cartoons. I just hate these fucking cartoons. I like the little little cat demon or whatever the hell it is. The little that's greeting or what is it? That's uh, like on that sells you things. Yeah, he's, it's a cute character, whatever. Sure. But like. All the little characters, uh, other than that, I just I despise. And if it was more like Magic the Gathering and more of like a gritty sort of a feel to it, this would do a lot. It would do a, go much further for me. How like how much do you think that really does affect your your like I? It's a large if degree. You, if you had to play, if you were playing Slay the Spire and Monster Train side by side, and they both had all of the graphics stripped away, so it was only like numbers like break numbers and mechanics do you, and or or maybe you if you swapped the aesthetics of them mm. um because that's like i have a like a floor like once once they once a graphics or or art style falls below like you don't eh, have a pretty floor. good you liked cogmine so you've already you've already <laughs> dismissed yourself no, but that's what i'm saying like once i once it goes down below i just like i don't care i just stop seeing the i just stop seeing it and I'm just like cool it's a it's a number and i'm just looking at the numbers um and i kind of feel like monster train hit that for me and slay the spire is built on that so i'm in my mind, comparing them only on gameplay and just ignoring the graphics entirely. Yeah, so, completely. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. I'd, so I'd love I'm, to hear I'm, the answer just, to that question. Actually, I'm curious. Like, if you take if you take aesthetics out of the equation, like visual aesthetics or music or whatever, things that are not not gameplay, they are all side decisions. Which I do uh, think matter a lot which for matter. the experience of the game, to be clear. Which do matter those for the experience of the game. Production does matter, and all of those artists and, and musicians out there are super important. No, it absolutely... Uh, and but it I, absolutely, I think this is a valid question. Right, too. it absolutely makes the game better, but they aren't, in many cases, for especially for games like this, they aren't fundamentally linked to the mechanics of the game. Like, you could play sure. this game with a different, like, reskin and play exactly the same numbers, and it would be like the difficulty would be the same. So I'm curious, Will, like how you would rank them if if aesthetics weren't a component. Then they'd be nearly equal, I think. Wow. Nearly. I still, I, I, still, I mean, I, I'm, it's going to be hard for me to say anything's really better than Slay the Spire. You know, the one sure. of the only five, 10 out of 10 games I've ever rated in my entire life. So 9.5, it goes up to a 9.5 then. Right now, I don't want to give it its current rating because, you know, it's the big surprise for the end, but sure. it's not there. I, I, uh, uh completely unrelated to this 
podcast, actually, I met somebody this week who told me she has a thousand hours in Slay the Spire. That's her happy place. She loves it. She can play it without thinking, right? That's how she jumps into like a a game just to just to chill. She does think Monster Train's a better game. It's just that Slay the Spire is her home. And I think there are a lot of gamers out there like that right now. What's that? Can Will get her phone number? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not at liberty to share uh, that contact information. I'm afraid. That's okay. No one actually listens to this podcast, so. But Kindred yeah. Souls. Oh, she requested specifically requested a link when I told her. So hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one person listens to this podcast. Thank you for listening and downloading. Well, I'm not listening right now because I'm on it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, bring, you're bringing to. the engagement numbers in. You gotta you gotta get that botnet up. Cutting your I'm cutting your uh, <laughs> your audience in half just by being uh-huh. here <laughs> well okay so uh we've kind of danced around it a little bit but yeah let's let's maybe jump into our rankings where each episode we we do our best to try to rank uh the the game that we're covering this week against all the other roguelike games that we played in, on the podcast uh maybe i'll jump in first uh i was waffling a lot this weekend with where to put monster train because i do think it this uh the art when i first booted it up i thought was viciously ugly i thought this game was like very off-putting but i think i was able to work around that and and kind of like suck them be like you know what tales of Majael is a great game that also looks like hot garbage and is a massive stay tuned for sure so like there's a big spirit of of roguelike games in general where i think gameplay trumps graphical fidelity and that's not to say that monster train has low graphical fidelity it has pretty high graphical fidelity it's just as its aesthetic is super not for me and like when i'm looking at other games i was like man this game's like gameplay is like a top two or three but it's game it's visual aesthetic brings it weight or like down another couple spots and i was like kind of coin flipping between like well if I if I wanted to play Monster Train or Griftlands over the weekend just for funsies, which one would I play? And like my gut instinct was, I think I would have to go with Monster Train just because like that's the one that I would want to play versus one that I would want to sit down and like get a nice warm mug of tea and a nice cozy blanket and experience a story and tuck in for the evening versus yeah, I got 10 minutes. Let's see what kind of crazy nonsense I can get get up to. That's like the spirit that I get out of Monster Train. And that's where I think it really kind of excels. So for me, Monster Train Choo Choo is going to come into uh, the rankings depot at number five, just behind Binding of Isaac, which is another kind of divisive aesthetic. Uh, and Biblical and yeah, blasphemous. Yeah, we got a nice, nice <laughs> blasphemous biblical four and five going here. Uh, and like... Uh, you know, for how much I, I was defending Grifflands in our previous episode, I think Monster Train's just going to barely slot in above it. I I played around with the Google sheet here. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to put Monster Train at number six, put Grifflands ahead of just to see how that feels. And I was like, <laughs> nope, I can't live with this. I think Monster Train has to be at number five. And I, I feel like that that feels like a good spot. It's art style super not for me. But if you're a Hearthstone addict, you will be a Monster Train addict for sure. Will you want to go next to me? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm I, I do my one to ten ranking, and then I based on that I figure fill in the actual um, uh, 
uh, rank across all 23 of the games we played. And so I'm giving uh, Monster Train a, uh, a high recommend in at eight out of 10. Um, I uh, I wanted to do I, I would like I said, if, if it just re- if it just replaced that art with something that was maybe gritty or something that's more, you know, adults uh, uh, themed and that didn't make me feel like I was playing some mobile game uh, or looking at an <laughs> ad for it. <laughs> it probably goes up to a nine or a nine point five, especially nine point five. Maybe, maybe even can touch, start to think about getting to ten if there are mm. some reworks of some of the uh, the synergy mechanics. But I know that that's a point of uh, contention. Um, yeah, so um, that puts it at uh, out of all the games we played, it's in the number two place. Wow, uh, two out of twenty three. Awesome. I, I don't rank things very, you know, especially the, the shit games we play. Well, most of them anyway. <laughs> really um, but the the number one game is still War Sim Realm of Aslona. Just, I mean, the, that game really took right. Me. The game with really, the best of all graphics. Well, that, and this one also just pops off with those with those numbers, unlimited numbers. That's true. Um, so I. Uh, I'm going to put this as my number three game right behind Cogmind. I, I, I waffled a lot between those two. Um, I think that Monster Train might have the best gameplay loop of all the games we've played um, in terms of like just the raw mechanics, the fun of the mechanics. I think it's probably the, the, the best of what we've played. Um, I think the thing that, puts something like FTL above it is a little bit like the story and the feel of the game for me. And then Cogmind is uh, that, but even more so like the, 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 the gameplay of Cogmind is, I think very good, but like it's the feel of what, how, when you're playing it, the like weird vibes and I, I know Will hated, hated, hated the uh, the aesthetics, but I loved the like weird pixel art tile set stuff. Like that's the aesthetic I want. And I, I know that there are a lot of people who would look at something like compare Cogmind to Monster Train and be like, I don't understand how you could possibly say Cogmind <laughs> is a better looking game than Monster Train. But like, that's the, the like, the aesthetic the 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 feeling that i'm going for like the a little bit of grit a little bit of weirdness into it um like monster train is very polished maybe too polished um (laughs) but it is a very good game it's a very good gameplay uh and of course i'm gonna have to to, to rank it against slay the spire the, the direct competitor which hasn't been on our board um I think I put it slightly behind Slay the Spire. I would want to play Slay the Spire again before I directly compare them. They are slightly different games. Um, Slay the Spire is very good, though. So, <laughs> But yeah, they're definitely the two like twin peaks of the genre. <laughs> like, neither higher than the other. Slightly, they're not the same mountain. They're next to each other across the valley of inferior lesser games <laughs> joe as the uh as the uh first time uh guest on this show you're of course your favorite game of the podcast has to be monster train but if you were to recommend a couple other games roughly in that same sort of genre or uh that same sort of like universe 
that you would want to recommend as well. What what other kind of games would you? Well, or just a one to ten ranking, right? I mean, that's the most. Yeah, that too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've got a I've got a couple there. I mean, um, uh, you guys have y'all have played my some of my favorite games on this podcast already. Um, Invisible Ink, one of my all time favorites. FTL. Uh, so the that's those would probably top my list of the ones that uh, you all have played um this one honestly y'all this game is a dime it's it's very very good does it have its detractors yes but no game out there is actually perfect uh everything i mean everything it's it's not possible to make a perfect video game and so if you're not willing to occasionally throw a 10 out there it's uh you're not ranking on a on a scale of 10 um how many how many tens do you think exist? I mean, like I have five, five ten out of ten games, and so I'm curious just to give me a sense of like, do you put like, and that's out of let's just say five out of uh, how many out of 176 games that I have ranked get the ten out of ten. So what wow. percent do you fit into the, the ten <laughs> out of ten? Oh man, I can immediately think of another one, uh, which oh. is which is Darkest Dungeon. Um, I think Minecraft would probably be up there. I think you know th- things. I, I you're putting me on the spot Pin- and I'd be happy, yeah i'd be happy happy to um think about that more and i probably will now i won't i won't sleep tonight uh <laughs> um but yeah i i would keep it in the probably single digits uh but yeah there are games out there i can come back to time and time again forever and and not be disappointed um regarding slay the spire uh, is this better than Slay the Spire? I would say it's more accessible. There's more variety. This is um, more focused. Uh, it's more elegant. That reduces complexity without sacrificing depth. It's uh, better produced, more expertly scored, uh, ultimately wor- more worthy of the few precious hours that each of us has upon this earth. Uh, does that make it a better game? I wouldn't presume to say, but... Presume. <laughs> Is that a, big, a better game? Yes, it does. I'll let you... I'll let the listeners make that decision. <laughs> I'm just stating the fact. <laughs> well, Joe, thanks. Thanks so much for being on our monster of an episode uh, here. It was, a, it was good to have you on. Uh, is, is there anything that you want to you wanna plug? Any, any shout outs you want to do for anything? No, just the two people I shouted out before, Woody. I uh, loved, I was surprised and delighted to hear your voice on the FTL. Um, and uh, my new friend that uh, whose name and number I shan't give uh, on this, uh, <laughs> on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm just a super fan of this podcast, and I uh, hope you all do a thousand uh, episodes, and I'll listen to all of them day one. <laughs> well, too high of praise for how much production value I put in. <laughs> I was going to uh, say what? <laughs> if uh, yeah, if you want uh, more more updates on the podcast, you can follow us on uh, Mastodon at grogpod at gamedev.place. We uh, if you want to uh, send an e- email to the show, you know we'll we'll read anything you send in. Uh, I was tempted to read some spam emails we got, but I was like, ah, you know. Uh, and then we have our website grogpod.zone, the best domain uh where we have all of our rankings we have google sheets of all of our data collection all that good stuff uh 
and yeah so that'll that'll wrap up our our monster train episode uh will you were interested in picking up our uh our episode for for next time uh you want to tell us a little bit about darkest dungeons 2 Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So um, I saw that it came out. I wanted to do it as soon as it came out, but we had to do this one um, so we can get Monster Train and get Joe on the program. But yeah, now I've 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 got it installed. I've got it ready to go. And I know um, with uh, uh, Darkest Dungeon 1, I gave that one a 7.5. Still a good game, but I'm really I'm hopeful that the second one um, comes out with some new innovations. And uh, I, I know, Joe, have you played it already? Are we looking forward to something really cool? I played it in early access. I had some uh, issues with it, but that was a year ago. This is li that's literally the next one on my list after I did my <laughs> homework for this <laughs> for this episode. I'm gonna boot it up tonight. Nice. My mind to your mind. Uh, well, we're gonna be trading in our our demonic uh, train. We're gonna go off the rails into a demonic uh, hell cart uh, covered wagon for our next episode. We'll see. But in the meantime, uh, to play out this episode, uh, class is in session, and Professor Daedalus is going to teach us a lesson in pain with some constructive explosives. 